Gino Maggio, aka Gino the Barber 813 on Instagram, is the owner of the Barbershop Tampa in Tampa, Florida, and is an educator for Babylus for Barbers. Today, we're going to hear all about his journey and through through the industry and leading up to where he is now. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and I'm with Gino Maggio. How you Gino? Doing great. How you been? Good, good. Thank you very much. Um, so I wanted to say, start off by saying thank you for coming on the show. I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation. And for everybody who is watching or listening to this show, I met Gino because we were at Orlando, uh, Premier Orlando, and uh, I was walking around doing a video, how do you say babyless or babyless? And uh, Gino gave us one of the most official answers that we could have had. So, uh, and then we talked about coming on the show. And so now we finally be able to make it together. So boom, thanks again for coming on. Not a, not a problem. I've been excited for it since we talked in Orlando. Awesome. So uh, why don't we start off with um, how long you've been in hair? How did you get into it? And why, why, why hair? You know, so I've been... I've been cutting hair now for 21 years. I've been licensed uh, 19 years. Um, I got tired of barbers messing up my beard or back then lack of, because I really didn't have much. And so I was trying to keep as much of it as possible. So I bought a pair of trimmers from, to be honest, went to Sally Beauty Supply, bought a pair of $30 trimmers because that's what I could afford at the time. And I was about you know 19 and walked out and been doing it ever since and just been started off just lining up my friends lining up myself uh, my little cousin who had way more facial hair than I did at the time and he was only 16 and and that's where it just just kind of fell in my lap just starting off as using it for myself to save some money to all of a sudden turn it into a hobby I went to school and it became a passion nice nice so you went to school um how long was school it was like a year or it was a, yeah it was a year 1200 hours Okay. I was going to work, I was working full-time and going to school full-time. Okay. And so you're in Tampa. Uh, are you, mm -hmm. are you from Tampa or did you move there? No, born and raised. Born and raised in Tampa. So you go to school in Tampa, I'm assuming? Yeah, I went to school there too. Yeah. The school is actually now closed. So I, the school closed halfway through my journey. So I had to actually finish up at a Redkin school that's still up and running and still in a very uh, influential in, in the, in, in the city. That's actually what 813 stands for. My Instagram is that's Tampa's area code. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay, so you go to school and were you working in a shop while you were in school or is that? No, I was working for Chase Bank actually. Oh yeah? I was, okay. I was in their call center. I was a supervisor on the phones or, you know, their version of supervisor, if you call and you're ticked off because they won't remove your late fee, I was the guy you got. Okay, got it. Yeah. So, um, do you feel like any of the skills that you learned doing that uh, helped you with hairdressing at all or I don't know, hair, barbering uh, or working with people or anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was always doing retail and things like that before. So you always there some type of sales. So you kind of had to you had to listen to the customer a lot of what they were looking for and just find those little details that were necessary. And then, yeah. And then if you're already a people person, you already can talk to people, then it's, it just helps out a little more. Nice. Okay. So uh, you get out of school and um, did you get a job? Did you get, start working at a barbershop like right away? You cancel the working at the call center. How did that work? 
Yeah, I I did. I just I dropped everything and then dropped everything and started working right in the barbershop. So it was my barber who was actually giving me my first start. He's actually the one who he paid he paid my uh, my down payment money for me to go to school. He was good friends with my ex brother in law. He found out that I was he showed he saw me walking in the house one day and he happened to be there hanging out and saw me walking with a pair of trimmers and he just said, "Well, look, if you're gonna play barber, you need to go you need to go to barber school." And he found out that he started seeing some of my friends that were coming in that couldn't afford to go to him every every week. So they were getting edged up from me. And they found out he found out real quick that I was actually following his line and doing an OK job of it. So he just said, look, I'll, I'll help you. He's like, it's obvious that you, you want to do it and you have a passion for it and you're and you're getting good. He's like, so go learn. And I was just doing edges. So I didn't even learn how to know how to do a taper. I didn't know how to use shears, nothing. So he just said, fine, that's the only habit you have is, is lining up. He said, so they can help create everything else. He goes, and I'll help you. Nice. So, that's awesome. so he gave me the money to, he gave me the down payment money and just said, uh, you can pay me back by coming to working at my shop. So I literally went to school for a year and knew I had a chair. So, I mean, that was a hell of a payback. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> a, that's yeah. a great story. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so how long were you working for him before uh, you made any moves? Uh, almost five years. Okay. So and what what what, um, what sparked the move and what was the move? The move was because of booth rent. Um, I was paying a lot of money out and a lot of money out and and we were doing a percentage, so we were on commission, thirty percent. And as a barber doing twelve and fifteen dollar haircuts at the time, and you're paying that bar, you're paying the shop owner close to four hundred dollars a week. That was a lot. That's more money than what people are paying right now to have a suite. You know, I, I know people that are owning suites right now for having suites for three twenty to three fifty a week. I was paying this man four hundred dollars a week, and that was off of twelve and fifteen dollar haircuts. So you can only imagine the volume that we were doing. I mean, we were doing fifteen, sixty haircuts in a day. So, but we were doing ten to fifteen minute haircuts back then. I mean, we're talking, and you only had a high skin fade and a one. You had like your black clients would come in. They were just Caesar haircuts, wave cuts, wave cuts, tapers, bald fades, uh, standard comb over, standard mohawks. And that's it. Or you had the poly D blowouts. You didn't have much. So they were not hard cuts to do. We were right across from an army reserve center. So that's all we had were military guys coming in. Quick, easy haircuts because they had to have that, um, that standard issue. Gotcha. Yeah. So we were able to do those 10 and 15 minute haircuts and knock out five, four or five people in an hour without blinking and not without feeling fatigued. Nice. Nice. Okay. So, so, so you're, you're working at, you're working at the shop, you're paying out 30% and you're like, okay, something's got to change. So what was the change? Did you open up a shop? Did you go to a booth rental? Um, what did you do? Yeah, I went to a booth rental barbershop for a little bit. Another guy who worked with us at that original shop opened up his shop, and there was three of us that left at the same time. He had three or four chairs open where he only had guys there part-time, so he offered us all the chairs because he said, I'd obviously rather have guys there that are full-time with licenses than part-time with no licenses. So, right. yeah, so not at the time, those guys were just working Sundays because they were in school, so they were technically apprenticing and just cutting their own friends and guys on Sundays. And then during the week, they were in there just apprenticing. So he told them they could still apprentice, but they wouldn't have a chair anymore. So we came in, worked there for a year. And then after that, opened up the shop and been 14 years now owning a business. All right. Okay, cool. Yeah. So wait, did, so you switched from commission to booth rent. 
than the salon but that booth rent period was only one year one year and tell me like why was it just a year like did you know you wanted to open up your own shop yeah left to go booth rent yeah i would have i would have loved to have gone up and opened up my own barbershop from that original shop okay you know but again the amount of money that we're that we were shelling out you know it's makes it hard to even save additional money on top of your overhead and your bills at home to save that money to open up a shop well we went from paying over 400 a week in commission to only paying 165 a week in booth rent wow i was paying i was paying 660 a month from 400 a week so i saved up i saved up the money like this nice so uh when did you know you wanted to have your own shop pretty much the day i walked into that new barbershop and saw how yeah and saw how the structure was and everything and at least at our other shop there was structure everything was set we all came in at a specific time we left at a certain time you know the clients came in they left the other guys at the other shop they were just a little more on the late back side and it was just it was just ran differently it was really just like a you are your own business you know kind of thing and it's it was a little frustrating because you saw the potential and the talent of those other guys, but even if like they were taking it seriously, that they were just very comfortable. And um, it's okay to be comfortable in life, but when you're, this is your only livelihood, we're in a business that I, I say that if we don't have someone's butt sitting in our seats, we're technically unemployed. So, right. cause we're not making any money. So, so I knew uh, from that point on, I wanted to open up a shop. Okay. Um, and is your shop, uh, is it, is it commission or booth rental? It's booth rent. Booth rent. Okay. Yeah. So, so, all right. So you, you, you go to school, uh, you work, we work for about five years from this one place. You get the chance to go uh, to save some money doing booth rent. And it's at that point when you're like, actually, I kind of want to open my own shop. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, and then you just put the pedal to the metal, saved up the, saved up the money, open up your shop. Yep. That's yep. It. All right, cool. Um, all right, so that was just like anybody listening. That's like a little bit. That's a pathway that you too could could follow. So uh, just make sure if you have any questions, feel free to message on um, on the episode below, or you will include uh, Gino's handle if you want to shoot him a message. Is that okay if someone shoots you? A message? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but you can message me anytime for any questions. Cool. So how did you get into? Um, so let's talk about what you do beyond running us running a shop. You uh, you're an educator for Babylus. Uh, so what does that look like? What does that mean? You're up on stage. Uh, what kind of stuff do you do for them? Uh, we're on stage. We do private classes. We do uh, like in store, in distributor store classes. So like with Salon Centric, Cosmoprof, Armstrong McCall, those groups like that. Sally's. Um, uh, like places like uh, Fort Worth Barber Supply, Clipper Depot, uh, to name a few companies. Um, so that's it's it's pretty much everything we do. Uh, virtual classes, our Instagram ones, things like that. Like during COVID, we were doing them for pretty much anybody. Anybody that called, pretty much they wanted their. Like I did a lot for Paul Mitchell School over here in Tampa, so I was doing Zoom classes for them. So instead of since we couldn't be in person, they were doing their schooling online. We were we did everything there. So yeah, it's 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 all it's all of the above. Posting art, posting the clippers, giving the product knowledge, helping out about different techniques and what drives us, and being on stage as well live. Cool. So uh, and how did you get into that? Was that just kind of like happened? Did that just like an accident? 
Or? No, that took that took a lot of time. I was already 12, 13 years in the industry before I pretty much got the call. But knowing a lot of the guys already on the team, I mean, so I tell everybody, like they say, how, how can you get on to being an educator? You know, it's the best thing is, is just go to the shows. Like how you and I met, it was just totally genuine. Uh, Olivia on our styling team literally grabs me and looks at me and says, Gino, is it Babeless or Babeless? She's like, what, what, what would you say? And I gave the answer and she's like, wait a minute. She pointed to you and she's like, you need to hear this. That's literally how you meet half the people. You say something to somebody, they're like, oh, hey, I think you need to talk to him. You talk to him or her. And that's how I met Dennis. I met Jay. Um, I went to a lot of like old bar battles and things like that. I met Jay back way back in the day, like probably in 2009, 2010, I met him and he was there helping out another, another just uh, like a, a product line of, of, it was a pomade, I think Layright or one of these companies, Father Sita or something. He was there just helping them push their new product and they were brand new at the time. And so we were going to all these events and little by little, like I met, I met Los, I met Andy, I met Hawk, I met Van. I met Van before Van was ever with Babelis. We were, neither one of us were remotely close to anything. Like Instagram wasn't even around yet. And I met these guys at these, at these hair shows. So all of a sudden we start meeting them and now they start getting picked up by these companies. And when they can say, hey, you know, who do you think would be a good addition? I was told that they came and said, hey, Gino's on our target list. And it was one of the many people that were on the target list. And they said, yes. And a few of the guys said, yeah, go for it. There was five of us joined up at the same time. Uh, Andy Authentic that everybody knows, uh, Tristan King, DG, Dana Gamba out of Boston, and Rachel Romero, uh, bar- that's for Paige's Barbarologist. The five of us got on the team all at the same time, September 2017. It's been uh, it's been a blessing to say the least. Nice, nice. So, that's, that's awesome. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, if you had any advice to anybody who was say going, who like a lot of a lot of young people we talked to. Actually, I just had a one on one with a young up and coming uh, stylist, and uh, she said she wanted to own her own spot. Uh, anybody who's listening, who, who thinking about wanting to run their own spot and, um, they're trying to set their career up and make, make decisions and, you know, want to feel like they're moving in that direction, uh, while Mm -hmm. they do whatever else they're doing, you know, depending on their level, they might be like focusing on building clientele or I don't know anything, uh, that you want to say to anybody, um, at that level or any other levels who's thinking about that. They're, they're trying to build their clientele. No, they're trying to. So, okay. So what I talk, when I talk to young, the young people, I go to the schools and I talk to mm-hmm. them about their future. They're um, a lot of, I would say at least 50% want to work, uh, don't want to work for somebody else. They want to have their own business and mm-hmm. uh, they, they don't necessarily always know all the steps that they should take. And then there's always, then there's even more unknowns, like things they don't know that they don't know. So it, so anything that comes to your head, if you were talking to one of those people, what would you say? Okay. Well, you are your own brand. You're already working for yourself because you're the reason that that, that client's coming into that salon or to that barbershop. I think you need to go work at a shop though first. It's very, very important because in order to be a successful business person whatsoever, you have to be able to see how another business is operating. You know, that's why banks and things like that make you get a business plan before they give you any type of money. They want to know that your head's screwed on right. 
And it's just for lack of better terms, really. But you need to be able to go in that shop. There's little things that you just don't think about. You don't think about the product that you need to purchase in order to operate every day. So think about a salon. They got to have, they got to have all the different color. They got to have the back bar shampoo and conditioner and all that stuff like that. If that stuff's out there, you know, you can't do highlights. You can't wash your client's hair before or after your appointment. You, you got to have all those things in place. And as a shop owner or owning a suite, there's all these little things that you're just not prepared for. Even when we were building out our shop, there was all these little things where like, we're like, man, we forgot this. We forgot this. We forgot that. And you needed to go up and get it in order to even start the shop. So you need to go into a shop first, see what it takes to actually do it. And then from there, you can really figure out whether or not you want to do it. Plus, it costs so much more to operate your own suite because now you're buying all your own back bar stuff. You're all your own product. So that's the reason why that they're charging, say, 325 to 350 a week for those suites. And you're having to go up and jump up your cost by nearly 20%. So you went from doing a $40 haircut. Now you're going to be charging $50 a haircut because now you've got to account for the higher cost in your rent because it's still a booth rent, regardless of the way you look at it. You just have a suite rent now. It's not just, you know, booth rent in a barbershop is basically a suite rent. Without those guys in my shop, I don't have a barbershop. I just have a 2,000 square foot suite. That's really what it is. Without them, the doors would close and I go get a suite. Okay. They're paying for the same thing that you're paying for in a suite. They're paying for a station, a chair, and there's a light. I provide the barbershop station, the chair, and a ring light already. You get a key to the shop, you get your own alarm code, you got access to the Wi Fi. You can come and go as you please, any which time you want. There's a bathroom. There's there's everything that you need, everything that you get and the security that you get from having a salon suite. Differences, there's just not a wall all the way around your station, okay? But in a salon suite, that's the only thing difference. You get you get three walls, four walls, and a sliding glass door in front of you, and that's it. And you can get a curtain to block it. You can decorate it with it any which way you want to, and that's your space is yours. But guess what? You want vacation, you're out sick, whatever, you still got to pay. You still got to go from pay for that week. But you got to be able to now charge a higher amount in order to cover that. If you're on a booth rent, and my booth rent's only $200 a week, you want to charge $30 a haircut? We've got guys in my shop charge $25, some charge $30. I charge $40. Okay. But that's on you. you. You know what you can charge and you know what your clients are comfortable paying. So it's entirely up to you, but you need to go to that, that shop first and work there and get your bearings first there. Because if not, you're just probably just going to give up and say cutting hair is not for me. Yeah, totally. And especially if, uh, if they don't know some of these more like smaller pieces, you know, you're talking about like, buying products and overhead and stuff, yep. you know, some, any of those things that someone doesn't know because they don't, they didn't, you know, take the time to get experience uh, or, or educate themselves or both. Then uh, mm -hmm. I could, I could see someone going in and if you have a bunch of money, and you're independently like, you know, someone's footing the bill for you to learn all these mistakes. Cool. But otherwise, yeah, I think you might end up having to shut your shop down or your suite. And the other, whatever. And the other things, and the other things too, is I know some salons that also provide uh, health benefits and you can also buy in and get an ownership stake within their salons. Well, then when you go out on your own, you're on your own insurance. You're trying to get with your own insurance either with an account or through like healthcare marketplace and things like that and all that stuff starts just starts adding up 
that when you leave, you're almost thinking like the salon owner is providing for all the clean towels, the electric, the water, this, the, that, and everything. And you're just paying out a small percentage. You know, your small percentage in those places might be, you might be getting 55 and you're giving up 45. But reality, that 55%, you got to think about what percentage are you really keeping after you have to pay out all your overhead? You know, so that's your gross in your net. I can make $300 in a day, like, like nothing. I could cut eight haircuts, $40 a pop, not even get tipped. Eight haircuts, there you go. That's my first four hours of the day, $320. As soon as my supply guy comes in, and if, let's just say I, I drop $100. Well, I just walked out with $220. Who cares if I made $320? I'm only paying my bills on $220. So that, there's your, you still have a gross in a net. So it's like, is it truly worth it? It's like, what's the percentage of $100 off of $320 that you just made? You know, you think about it. You just gave up a third. You gave up, gave up over almost 35% of your money right there. Well, you're giving up 45% with a salon 30% in a barbershop is it worth it it might be it may not be so that's all those things that it's it's on a it's on a person by person basis that you have to ask yourself totally awesome that was great uh thanks for that answer I think that's a great place to wrap it up uh I think next time we talk maybe we'll dive into and deeper into uh one of these topics we talked about today but for now I think this is a great place to wrap it up so um Thank you so much for sharing your story and that last piece uh, of your advice, I think is so golden that uh, I think it's going to be uh, very helpful to a lot of people. So thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, until next time, I'll see you later. All right. Sounds good.